This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Forever. Dog. and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city and they couldn't help but wonder do you love it too Carrie Miranda, Samantha Charlotte, Charlotte Cosmos Crunchies so many dudes. every single dude all the dudes and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Surno. Oh, no. And this is <laughs> Couldn't Help But Wonder. God, our voices are good. A podcast where we talk about sex and city and how it relates to us. Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. Hey. <laughs> We're frisky today. Oh, my God. Two little panthers in a cage needing to be released into the wild. How are you? Who were you this week? Girl, I was Samantha. I was my homegirl, Sam. Okay. Because I went on a great date this week. Love that. Weekend. Love it. And I just feel like I'm fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I feel ugly. Sometimes I feel hot. I felt hot this weekend. I'm not laughing at you feeling ugly or anything, but it was just a really great delivery of I feel fabulous. You know what? I came into this day being like, I'm a goddamn catch. I'm cute. I'm funny. Worship me. Yeah. And all of that happened. See these feet? Kiss them. See these feet? Nibble on the toes. Bend down and lick my toenail. I just had a good day and the guy was super sweet and we're definitely hanging out again. We're hanging out on Thursday. And um, I guess what I felt good about was I just felt like uh, this is LA. It's all about online dating and maybe some people meet their partners in real life, have never met anybody like that. Maybe, I don't know how that works, but it's very online dating-y. And I've become very good at online dating. I know before a date, if I'm going to like someone, I knew I was going to like him. I did. It went great. And I just felt like confident. I just felt like Samantha, like living it, doing it, working it high. Love that. Yeah. Also, that is so fantastic. Also, he's a Midwestern guy. Mm. And I have to say. Are they friendly? So gentlemanly, so polite. He's also was raised Catholic. And like, I have to say as a Jew, uh, the guys I've dated who are raised, not to say the Jewish men aren't like this, Jewish men are amazing too. But the guys I've dated who are Christian, that were raised Christian and Catholic are really polite Mm. and have like really good manners. Mm. Um, Yeah. Repression can be hot. (laughs) I think that 
a lot of rules and like this is you're right it is repression this is yeah, how you're sure. supposed to act but there are pros to Jews it Jews could stand to be a little more repressed Bruce to be honest shut up a, fe- a once in a while <laughs> but he just did things like uh, we went to the beach and like sat on the beach and like he carried my things and just all the right wait, stuff wait your first date was a beach date I well, love that we took a long walk oh on my the God. beach and then sat and had like tacos California here we come it was a great date and then at one point I told him because I'm very communicative I was like I really appreciate how gentlemanly you are <laughs> and he's like I really like your personality he's like I think you're really funny and he just was really kind I love that yeah so that was fun oh that's great and then I told him what my favorite restaurant was and then he made a reservation for Thursday that's great okay I'm liking this me too he's to tall. be continued he's blue eyes he's handsome he's taller than me Shock. okay yeah. all right mm-hmm. love it Okay. Who are you, baby doll? Um, well, this week I was specifically Carrie when she falls on the runway <laughs> during the fashion show. Uh, I was not at a fashion show uh, or on a runway in any way, but I did fall really hard at the gym. Ouch. I I've been um, doing, I guess I've upped Jamie's my... ripped. Okay, I'm not ripped at all. You can barely see any definition and I don't have abs, but I'm working on it. But I um, have been like working out more rigorously and um, the trainer that I've been going to, she started um, getting me to do uh, like, I guess they're, I don't want to misuse this. I think they're called box jumps where you literally just like jump up on a thing with both feet and then jump down. I think that's what it's called. That's so hard on the body. So sometimes they do it with soft boxes, like literally. So if you fall, it's just like you're on like a padded mat. So you don't really hurt yourself. But um, she has me doing it with uh, harder surfaces. So she actually has me jumping up onto like a almost like a small step stool. And so uh, normally it's not an issue. It's not a tall stool by any means. So it's not that hard. You just have to do a couple of them in the row. And this week she had me doing a bunch of sprints on the treadmill at a speed I've never done, like in the 10s, 10.1, 10.2. I barely can run comfortably in the fives and sixes. Like I'm not a great runner. And so she's like trying to get me to like increase my endurance. And so I had done these sprints. It was really intense. I got off the treadmill and then had to start doing these box jumps. Anyways, point is I jumped up and I just fell forward and my knee and my shin hit the box. And then I was in this mode though, where I was kind of charged up, like, yeah, I got fucking injured. Let's you, keep like, going. you, smashed a can on your head? Yeah, I was. It was a little bit like Gatorade commercial. Jeez. I was like, let's do this. Who let's do the do. Yeah, do I kind of was, like, raging a little bit. And oh she was like, God. are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. She, like, looked at my leg, and I had a scratch. And, like, it was cl- it was that look of, like, I'm about to have really bad bruises. And I was just like, you know what? I'm fine. And then I just kind of kept going. And I think that because um, my job has been pretty intense I think there's part of me that is kind of in that like you just like ro- ran straight into a wall I'm a little bit in like roid rage mode where I'm just like let's fucking do it like it only hurts if you say it hurts you know like never stop never stop stopping you know just like so I think I just kind of kept going and Jamie then, you're becoming Gaston but look at my legs Rose okay I have like a really big yellow thing all over my right shin and then look at my left knee it is like actually wait guys purple literally like, Jamie the whole looks knee, like she got into a huge scrap. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm also in this place where I'm just trying to 
be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And there's this move at the gym. Sorry, this is like such boring gym talk, but I don't know. People out there might know what I'm talking about. There's a move called Renegade Rose, and it's where you you plank. Yeah, (laughs) you plank. Um but your your hands are holding free weights that are on the ground so all of your body weight is going into the palms of your hands holding weights and it's very uncomfortable and everyone knows that there's no one who's like I don't feel anything like it's really painful and you're supposed to use chalk to sort of like soften the blow and I was like oh this really hurts I don't want to do this move and she's like the only way your hands are going to get stronger is if you keep doing this and eventually it's not going to hurt when you do it and so now I'm kind of in this mindset where I'm like oh I'm going to like push through the pain and so yeah it's a little kooky CrossFit gym rat I don't go to a CrossFit gym but I feel like it's kind of in that that sort of range of mentality and yeah I don't know what's going on with me but there's something where I'm like fuck yeah I'm injured (laughs) you've become a hot athlete it's kind of psycho I mean she's like EP like roid rage like I think that they're all tied together honestly next time we come onto the podcast she's like I'm Jamie Lee I'm like what (laughs) happened (laughs) also when you said that you were doing a move called Renegade Rose I was trying to think oh now I get it Renegade Rose Because you're Rose. Oh, you didn't get that? No. (laughs) I'm so dense. Honestly, guys, all the steroids. She's becoming dense. Yeah, the steroids are making me really dense, which is also really fucking cool. It's part of being buff. I'm dumb, but my deltoids are hot. Yeah. But I do have to say, Jamie, we have to play a little game just from saying that. Like, if... You. I thought you were going to be like, let's play a little game called Can You stu- Still Do Math? Oh, God. <laughs> None of us would win. But when you said Renegade Rose, I was like, what would my exercise be named after myself? Oh, my God. And I think it would be like pretending you were there was like a bag of chips and you were just like eating them with your hands. Oh, and then like when your hands go up, it kind of triggers your biceps. Yeah, maybe you have to be holding. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you have to be holding two weights and you have to pretend that they're pizzas and they're coming towards your face oh yeah what would your exercise be i mean i love the idea of being on a treadmill and just having like a piece of trust leches cake just dangled in front of my face (laughs) like i'm just running after it just trying to like catch it with my mouth just like "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) jamie i just want to be rich enough where when i exercise there's a team of people that are like lifting my leg up and down oh so it's like i'm actually not running other people are making me physically run like a puppet like a marionette oh my god that's like oh, I was about to say something so dark, but that Tell reminds us. me of when Shelby from Steel Magnolias is in the hospital and Sally Field makes her do her Jane Fonda's. You're like, that's my dream workout. Is like I lay there and she moves me. <laughs> very yes, dark, please. very dark, but it it is a very clear visual. Okay, season two, episode four. They, they shoot single, single people, people, don't they? they? The episode starts with a rare aligning of the stars. Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, and Charlotte are all single at the same time. Believe the hype. And they're celebrating by heading downtown for some salsa dancing and tequila shots. The girls are single and not ready to mingle. That is until Samantha gets hit on by the club's hunky owner, William. Samantha says she's with her girls, so he leaves her his business card so they can maybe dance another time. Carrie ends up drinking and dancing more than she should, stays out all night and passes out back at her apartment the next morning. She gets jolted out of her hangover coma by a frantic call from Stanford, telling her she's beyond late for her New York magazine cover shoot, where she becomes the face of single, fabulous New York. Or does she? Single and fabulous question mark? There was no question mark implied. I would never have agreed to be in an article. Single and fabulous question mark. I was set up. Oh, I agree. You're single, fabulous, and fucked. Not after that picture, I won't be. 
They said single and fabulous exclamation point. They did not say single and fabulous question mark. That question mark is hostile. Miranda, can we sue them or something? For what, mispunctuation? It's too late to sue. I'm all over the city looking like, like something that got caught in a drain. Okay, you know what? I just quit smoking. Single was fun at 20. But you want to ask these women, how fun will all-night club hopping be at 40? Who's out all night? Who's 40? Do you know what I say? Fuck them. Exclamation point. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Charlotte said fuck. Every couple of years, an article like this surfaces as a cautionary tale to scare young women into marriage. Oh, I'm a cautionary tale? Shoot me. Filling their lives with an endless parade of decoys and distractions to avoid the painful fact that they're completely alone. How is that helping? This piece of trash has nothing, I repeat, nothing to do with us. Exactly. We are single and fabulous. Absolutely. But I had a sneaking suspicion they didn't quite believe it. Yeah. The writing, the writing, the writing on this show. It's so fantastic. Um, Also, I do wonder if this scene and this whole storyline with single and fabulous question mark maybe was based on like uh, press and uh, like editorials that were coming out around the time that the show was on. Like it, it, I could see people saying this about this show, like this sort of sentiment of like, are these women, you know, being open and honest and living their best life or are they desperate? Like, I think that this was maybe in response to some articles that were coming out around the time that the show was on. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think to your point, There's something very gendered about a woman being single versus a man being single. Like, I think if a woman is single, no matter if she's enjoying it or not, she has to, like, have a stance. Yeah. Whereas if a man's single, it doesn't seem very relevant to anything. No, no one's ever like, that man is single and fabulous. Like, the word fabulous isn't even thrown into the mix when we're talking about straight men. I just think that uh, a man's romantic status is just another thing about his life and I think for women it's like defines them which is incredibly unfair yeah it's the worst because whether you're single or in a relationship there's going to be days where you're happy and satisfied and days where you're not and days where it's up and days where it's down I I, I don't think that like I don't think people in relationships every day wake up and be like this relationship is perfect I'm so I don't miss being I have friends who have been in I'm thinking of one of my best friends I shouldn't get too specific, but I'm thinking of a really good friend of mine who has been in uh, with her fiance for like 12 years. They're super dedicated. They're life partners. But she's had crushes on other people. She's had days where she's bored. They've had sexless patches and they love each other and they're partners. And I guess what I'm saying is whether you're single or or with someone, it's like sometimes marriage is fabulous. Sometimes marriage is boring. Sometimes partnerships is boring. It's yeah, like sometimes life is boring. That's what I'm saying. So I think this idea of like, uh, I'm single. There's days where I like am really happy and I have this great life and I'm excited about stuff. And other days where I'm like, oh, I'm in bed and I wish there was someone here. I, I think it's up and down. Yeah, I don't think it's as black and white. Um, and as- I agree with you that it's just a woman thing. Yeah. And I also think that um, this. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes to everything you're saying. Basically, if you're a woman and like the first thing friends or parents or family members or people you haven't seen in a long time ask about that. It's not that that's inappropriate, but you are allowed to be a little annoyed and be like, do you want to ask about anything else in my life or like 
Yeah. Just as that being a rubric to like if you're winning at life or not. Yeah. And also like with this, the cover photo the uh, that Carrie took where she's smoking a cigarette, she has no makeup on and she just like looks destroyed or like she said, like something that was found in a drain or caught in a drain. Um, yeah, it it is. It, it, I mean, it's just so disheartening that it's like she's so clearly being shown in like the worst light possible. And like now I'm just analyzing this like the show is real life. But no, it's but like, it's true. how dare you like not like how dare you like get her sort of in her, at her worst and like exploit that and then use it with something as derogatory is just like yeah single and fabulous it's like she just fucking woke up no one gave her a second no one gave her coffee stanford did he gave her decaf like in the people real are late to shit i hated how everyone reacted towards her everyone was mad it's just like i don't know this that whole thing i just like it felt like such a nightmare i felt very bad for this character on television i agree i was about to say something but i don't know if it's true but like if you had any clout if you were an actor or a celebrity and someone printed a photo of you looking like that, you'd sue the magazine. I mean, that was such an inappropriate, that was like a mugshot. Yeah. Completely inappropriate. And also when she got there and she's like, you guys are going to do my makeup, right? Like why, why couldn't they have have taken five minutes? What is five minutes? She's already an hour late. What's an hour and five minutes? Like just fix her face a little bit. So she feels comfortable and like, yeah, the whole thing was just so confusing. Like, it just felt. Yeah, I also have to say, and like, I'd be so angry at Stanford for not protecting st- me, sticking up for her more. I mean, he even should've... if she's, he knows that she's not typically late. She was late because she went out late, but she's a responsible person. That's not like a defining trait of her character. That she's just like a fucking hot mess. It's like she's not a mess. She's not a mess. She's on top of her shit for the most part. She has moments of messiness, but don't we all? And I'm just like, oh, I think Stanford's like kind of a bad friend for not like doing his due diligence and making sure that like she looks nice. They take the cigarette out of her hand. They fluff her hair a little bit, even if they were like, oh, you know, we want you to look more like oh natural for this shoot. We don't want to like have makeup. That's not really the look we're going for. Like people should have communicated that. Like if this happened in the real world, it it would be like that an whole actual team would have been fired. An actual disaster. The, the magazine would have folded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing that's important. Well, Something that I think is interesting is obviously there's no such thing as completely objective truth in magazines or newspapers. Everything's a POV. But as somebody who's been writing for magazines and occasionally newspapers for, I don't know, over seven years, I remember one time getting an assignment. I'm not going to say the outlet. And the story was more and more people are not getting married, but they are doing partnership mm. and they're having kids not being married. Yeah. But then those people break up. And the the story they wanted me to investigate was, are people that never got married who have kids and split up, are those relationships messier than people that got married and then get divorced? Interesting. And they wanted me to do a story about how it is messier when you never got married. All of the evidence I gathered through my interviews was that it was much more amicable. These people like... We're like wow. making really good decisions together. I mean, my parents had a horrible divorce where my dad wouldn't even open the door to let my mom in the house my entire childhood, like whenever she came to pick me up. And they had divorce. These people that I talked to that had never gotten married in the first place, they couldn't be in the same room together. They were really co-parenting. 
And when I presented them that way, they almost wouldn't let me run the story that way. And I don't like this idea that editors, for example, the reason that I'm bringing it up is in this thing, Single and Fabulous, they're coming into it with a POV already. Whoever assigned the story, they said, show that people who are single are actually kind of struggling. I want a really tough picture. I want a question mark. Like they had an idea of what they wanted the story to be that didn't really have anything to do with like the truth. And they're unwilling to reshape their narrative based, based on, on the evidence they collect. Yeah, because I thought it was like, I was like, I'm not writing a story about how people that didn't get married have it worse. That's not what I'm seeing. And I feel like they're presenting this idea like single and fabulous instead of the truth, where if they really interviewed Carrie, I think it would be single, single and, fabulous. and fabulous exclamation point. Yeah. So there's also something gross about like, even if she had that same photo, honestly, even if it was the photo with no makeup and she's smoking a cigarette exclamation point, not single and fabulous question mark, you would have been like, oh, that is kind of fabulous. Like she's kind of killing it. She's like a fucking badass with sexy. a cigarette. She's a yeah, little like Patty Smith, female James Dean. Yeah. yeah. There is something else I think that, you have a question here for us to explore that I think is a really good question. It's, have you ever affected being into being single while actually wanting to be in a relationship? I think that's an awesome question because I think everyone who's single has. And I think um, this episode is so awesome because this show's complicated because they do sometimes complain about being single. The entire pilot of this show is like, for single women who are feeling a little left out that they're not married are, you know, gabbing away and complaining about being single. But if you really pay attention to the show, these women aren't desperate. They have offers left and right. They have great lives, great careers, great friendships, and they only want to be with someone if it's the right person, which is actually extremely empowered. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you never get lonely or whatever. I mean, I would say that in 2019... It's kind of considered unempowered or non-hip to be a woman that says, God, I really want to get married. God, I really want to have a boyfriend. God, I'm kind of lonely. Like you're supposed to, according to cool standards, be like, fuck that. I don't care. Like I I'm know. killing it. And the reason that I don't think that's fair is because it's not just women that want to be in relationships. All human beings are literally designed to partner. Of course. And like. We are a species that needs each other, which is why like solitary confinement is like considered torture. Like yes. we're not meant to be alone. We're tribal. Yes. So I think that the idea of making women feel weak or stupid or, or traditional for wanting partnership is also really unfair. Yeah. And I think that's why people have such a problem with Charlotte, because Charlotte does feel like this sort of and not all the time, not in every episode, but she oftentimes feels like a dialed up cartoonish version and dated version of what women sound like. Like, I just want to be married. Oh, man, I want a husband. It's like, but actually, when you really just watch Charlotte, you're like, oh, no, she's actually, I mean, she's, I would say her preppy dress doesn't help the case if she's well-rounded, but she is well-rounded in, in her emotions. She sees both sides of it. She's out there. She's dating. She's trying new things. She's dating Mr. Pussy. She's, you know, she's like... Whatever. She dated like the Brooklyn rabbi artist. Like, you know, she's experimenting. But and she's she not also because she doesn't have to do that. And she has, yeah, she her life is busy and it truly is fabulous. And she also would like to find a partner. And it's you can feel both ways. You can be a single empowered person and want something else. It's totally both of those things can run both programs can run concurrently. Yeah, I completely agree. I think 
the problem, the, the, the place this gets dicey for a male or a female is thinking that a person is going to solve your inner existential angst because yeah. nobody's going to. Right. Like, even if you're in love and happy and have a great partner, it's not going to solve your own relationship with yourself, but it can add a lot of joy and wonderful stuff to your life. Yeah. I also think that in some ways, and, and maybe it's more around the time that the show was on, but I feel like being single or the status of being single or being married is almost similar to the way people talk about having a job or being un unemployed. Interesting. Um, oh, that's a good analogy. It's like, yeah. And there's this kind of like, oh, that's, you know, you're not working right now. That's, that's gotta be hard. It's gonna be hard. It'll As come again. Yeah. yeah. Versus, oh, that's, wow. You must have a lot of free time. You must get to set your own hours. You must get to sort of, you know, reevaluate what you actually really want to be doing. You know, it's like you could see it both ways, but I feel like some people are just very doom and gloom about the status, but it doesn't change the facts. It really is like glass half empty or glass half full. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we covered a lot of ground and solved a lot of the world's problems. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, yeah. If the Congress is listening, you're welcome. You're welcome. After their wild night of clubbing, Miranda runs into Josh, an ophthalmologist who I actually thought was very good looking. Mm -hmm. Did you think so? Mm -hmm. I thought he was hot. She, Sorry, I was drinking water. Yeah. He he's a hottie. Hot, super hot. Um, yeah. And a great actor. Yeah, he's really sexy. Yeah. That she'd had a brief relationship with that ended because the dude couldn't get her off. He never knew that, however, as Miranda faked every orgasm she ever had with him. And across town, Charlotte puts the moves on her handyman, Tom. Well, he's not just a handyman. Wink, wink. He's a failed actor slash handyman in the middle of giving up New York for the bright lights of Salt Lake City, where he has a chance of getting cast on a Christian soap opera, which hallelujah for you, Tommy. Meanwhile, Miranda admits that Josh is looking good while training for the New York Marathon and decides to give that inorgasmic eye doctor another go. When you said failed actor slash handyman, I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if he was a failed actor fat slash failed handyman? Oh, my like, God. He just, like, couldn't. He just can't do anything. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> he literally has no skills. But then the worst happens. Turns out Josh is still the same guy Miranda broke up with. Look at this. He climbs on top of her. Oh. The next thing you know, she's coming. No wonder oh. men are so lost. They have no idea there's more work involved. So, still faking it? Yep. Is he that bad in bed? No, he's just, he's a guy. They can rebuild a jet engine, but when it comes to a woman, what's the big mystery? It's my clitoris, not the Sphinx. I think you just found the title for your autobiography. You know, it's really not their fault. They don't come with a manual. If I had a son, I'd teach him all about the vagina. If you had a son, we'd call social services. The other night, he told me he really likes that I can come while he's fucking me. How can he actually believe that that's all it takes? Because you're faking it. I'm really hating myself right now. Could you please just tell me why? He's a nice guy. He means well. Oh, so it's codependent coming. This is such a good it's amazing. fucking episode. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely faked it a lot. Oh, hello, Pretty much 20s? more than not Yeah, faking it. Well, the thing that's so crazy about faking an orgasm, and it must be really crazy being a guy, is that there truly is no difference in the sound. Like, No. And you can literally, like, clench your Kegel muscles so it feels the same. Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot of really important things that this 
clip that you pulled brings up again I don't mean to like mention it a million times like one of those people that's like I went to Harvard but like as a, <laughs> as a journalist I mean I I covered sex and dating for years for you know Cosmo and all these things and I wrote a lot about orgasm and something I think that's so important about the conversation they have in here that can st- that should and could still be had today is that we get our information about sex mostly from movies and porn, but a lot from movies, especially before people watch porn and they're watching sure. rated R movies. Yeah. And I would venture to say 99.99% of film portrayals of sex are one to two kisses, clothes on, a skirt is hiked up, and there's penetration. Now, some women, I do know some women that exist that that enjoy yes. penetration ASAP. For me, if there's not 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes of touching before, I will not enjoy it. So this idea that like throwing someone against the wall and immediately fucking them, which maybe looks sexy mostly to men, that that's pleasurable or could possibly bring an orgasm is so erroneous. And it has done a lot of damage in the culture because if you've ever been in a fast and furious makeout where it just immediately goes to sex... It probably feels a lot better for the guy than the girl because there are actual studies that say that women need 20 minutes of foreplay before they're aroused and ready to go. So I'm really glad that Miranda brought this up because I think there's so many times where and men aren't doing anything wrong. They're doing what they've seen. If you watch 100 million movies where women are crying out in ecstasy because they're being slammed against a door, you're going to do that because that's your teaching manual. There's no other information that you've seen that would tell you any different. And by the way, movies and porn also impact the way women act in the bedroom because we feel pressure to not disappoint the men. And so we're doing a lot of acting to maintain the male fantasy because having a conversation about what actually feels good, what it actually takes to really have uh, proper intimacy that's satisfying for the woman, you know, we sometimes have to warm up to that. Like those conversations are intimate and, and harder, which is what we're watching Miranda deal with. Like she's never brought it up. She's a really frank person who has no problem that's saying really exactly how she feels about literally everything. But when it comes to essentially breaking the male ego, she is terrified. It's that fragile. The publicity around the male ego we hear wow, it all that's our good, lives. Jamie. Everything is, oh, you don't want to give him blue balls. Oh, you got to burp the baby. You got to hold the baby. You got to make sure the baby doesn't cry. There's so much of that fed to us from such a young age that even a Miranda, who's a sharpshooter, straight shooter, confident in her work, you know, constantly having confrontations, even with her friend group. But when it comes to the bedroom, she's like, oh, I don't want to tell him that I hate what he's doing. Well, that is brilliant and extremely, I mean... Like a million bravos for that. And I I also have to say that I think, you know, especially as someone who's been on antidepressants forever, who has a lot of orgasm challenges, there's also a sense of failure because you see it in the movies. Oh, if I can't make. And so those are the phrasing, make you come. Like, I I can't help you with that. I suck versus whatever. Forget about the guys. But I mean, I can only speak as a woman. But if you see in movies that women are coming left and right from this really instantaneous penetrative sex, you I end up feeling like, God, I failed. Why can't I do this? And and I think it puts a ton of pressure on women to it hurts women to watch porn and movies and see women coming instantly with 
no caressing and no long kissing and no, you know, really like long foreplay, it makes you feel bad about yourself. A- 100%. To be like, oh, why can't I just immediately climax? And I think another thing that's really bad for women is that, again, I'm just sharing my own perspective because I think that hopefully it will help other people. But I, I don't make a ton of noise. Like when I need to go into the zone, I kind of need to like focus and like be kind of quiet. And I think there's this idea through porn and movies that like the only way to tell if a woman's enjoying herself is if she's like, ah, ah, ah. And it's like some people do that, but some people don't. And I think a lot of that is a performance for men. And there's nothing wrong with a making a lot of it's a performance for men. And there's nothing wrong with making <laughs> I some would just noise like to, to underline that. Yeah, to let them know that you're happy. But I also think like get to know your particular sex partner. And if they're not making a lot of noise, if they tell you that they're kind of quiet, like don't make them perform because that's something that takes you out of your head and then into performance. I think sex sucks when it has to be a performance. And I think there's a lot of performance pressure on women to make tons of noise, to be super orgasmic. And even if you don't orgasm, it still can mean that you have a great time. I just think that the orgasm pressure on women is, I mean, I can speak for myself, is like really insane. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like um, I feel like it's almost the way uh, like sort of like meat heady, stereotypical meat heady men talk about how much they can bench press. There's like a, a version of like, yeah, like I, I can make her calm. Like, yeah, I can lift, you know, four times my body weight. It's like this thing where it's like it's like a little trophy that you earned versus really trying to connect with someone and make sure that like you you're having a good experience and they're having a good experience and that you two are working towards a common goal of enjoying each other. Yes, yes, and yes. And it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of toxic masculinity that uh, is at play there, I think. And I, I wish that we could get rid of it. Yeah, and I don't even actually think it's men's fault. I truly think the biggest culprit to all of these problems is the lack of sex education. Oh, it is the big culprit, yeah. Because if there is no sex education, which there isn't. No, porn has become the education and porn is wrong. It's the only education or movies and um some porn is wrong most porn is wrong yeah the only porn i watch is massage porn where a woman gets massaged for like 20 minutes her whole body and then they have sex because i'm like yeah that would feel great yeah i mean it's like yeah they like massaged her ass and her legs and her tits right they warmed her up yeah they didn't just stick it in yeah yeah it's like that is something that would actually be pleasurable even the notion not to be gross but the notion of like lick it and stick it the reason you're having to lick it is because we are not warmed up yet but actually i have to say like even oral sex like i don't want someone to jump down there after one second it's like making out a little bit taking it's like even like oral sex is a jump i just feel like it's just like you know what there's kind of this idea that sex is like hurry let's get to it and it's like and also if you hurry and get to it that means it's hotter sex because like we have to have each other right now it's like come on the whole notion of like let's squeeze in a quickie before like your boss gets back or whatever it's like this whole thing of like, oh, hurried sex is the hottest sex. No, it's, it's like, no, it's not. not. It's stressful. Yeah. And also like the reality is if it's Saturday night and you're with your lover and you have nothing to do the next day, nowhere to go, nowhere to be, make it last. This is a nice thing. Let's make a meal out of this. Like, you know, explore each other's bodies. And you were saying something else that's really interesting. And if there's one straight male listening to this besides the people that work on the show who are shout out to him. Hey, Steve, we love you. Thank you. (laughs) You know, thanks for your support, man. Yeah. But, but I would hope this information is so important for men, but like, 
even understanding that like orgasm is not even the goal of any of this stuff. It's just, are we both having a good time? Is there something I can do for you that would feel nice? Is there something you can do for me? Because, uh, I have plenty of friends who are very orgasmic who still feel stressed about it because it almost feels like I have to do this thing for him so that he can feel okay. And it's like, if we can all just go into this thinking, let's see where it, where it takes let's us. Let's see where it takes us. And like, it's kind of like getting a massage. Like when you get a paid massage, the whole point is to have pleasure. And it should be the same when you're having a physical experience with your partner is like, well, what if I tried this on you? Do you like that? No? Okay, cool. Well, how about this? Any Is there anything that you've wanted me to do that I haven't done? Or like just really open and watery, you know? And I think you brought up, I think, the best point ever, which is that if a person like Miranda, who is known for speaking her mind, is faking orgasms, and I did that my entire 20s, and I'm a person, I was doing stand-up, I was speaking my mind, and in the bedroom, just like completely mouth shut then a lot of people are doing this. People in relationships, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s. It's not easy to talk about. I had a, I might've spoken about this on an earlier episode. I can't remember, but I remember one time in my 20s hooking up with this guy and he was like, whatever, fingering me. And he was like, yeah, my wrist hurts. And I remember being like, well, I guess you got to get a new wrist. <laughs> like, I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. I, I was like, new- yeah, I guess you got to get a wrist implant because uh, you got to keep going. I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, you're, like, you're not done. Blowjobs that were exhaustingly of course. long. Yeah. You know, it's this is also really important. I did a couple of stories for New York Magazine about this revolutionary sex educator and masturbation coach named Betty Dodson. Mm. If you're a female listening, if you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, beyond, and you have um, climax issues, or if you don't masturbate, if you're still kind of trying to decide how to make yourself feel good, look up Betty Dodson. She's done a ton of great work on this. But she said something to me that was really fascinating that I could never put into words, but I think I always knew, which is that women, we do this so often, we copy the male sexual response and put that on ourselves. For example, Uh, Not to say all men, I'm not a man, but when you watch a man masturbate either in person or in porn or in a movie, it's hard and fast and it's kind of aggressive and it doesn't take long to come. And a lot of women internalize that. Yes. And they go, oh, well, he came in three minutes or two minutes and his was very fast and furious. I why if I can't do that, that means I'm a failure. And she said something really important. She said, women, stop comparing your sexual response to men. You have a different body. You can't do fast and furious. Yeah, you, have, you have literally a different layout. Yes. And I think this idea that a lot of women feel really guilty about, oh, he's been down there a long time. He's taking too long. There's no such thing as too long or it's long men's sexual response is different. So don't feel bad that you got him off quickly and it's taking some time for you. It's just a different anatomy. Agreed. Ugh. Okay. Well, I feel like we really, we did handled a lot. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Samantha and William are getting serious as he loves to throw the word we into every conversation they have, basically telling Samantha that he sees a future with her. Back with Miranda, despite her best efforts, things with Josh are just not working out. She has a you're not making me come conversation with him and turns his whole world upside down. Could other women not have gotten off with him before? His thousand yard (laughs) stare says probably. To his credit, he takes her note and gets down to a where's the clitoris lesson with Professor Miranda. 
Carrie, still reeling from the trauma of her super rough magazine cover, where she essentially became the face of sad Manhattan spinsters, heads to a bustling bar party with Stanford. She drowns her sorrows in cranberry vodka tartinis, love the name, and starts stumbling over people, giggling, completely wasted. Back uptown, Samantha sits alone at quite the she-she restaurant waiting for wee guy William to show up. When he never does, she shares a consoling kiss with the busboy, which is super racist because he's Pakistani, therefore not a viable sexual option. Incredibly lame. He offers to go home with her, but because he's brown, she decides against it and pieces out solo style. As Carrie's night goes on, Stanford sees that she's on the road to some day after getting hammered regrets and tries to get her to head home. But he's interrupted by a pre-alias Bradley Cooper stumbling in and hitting on Carrie. No joke, Carrie's rando hot bar guy this episode is really played by Oscar nominee B. Coops. The man is truly limitless, though he shows himself to be a jerk when he and Carrie get out of the bar and make a stop for cigarettes by basically throwing her New York magazine cover in her face and dredging up all of her insecurities. I looked at myself in the mirror. What had I been so afraid of all week? I was still young, still desirable. I would never wind up alone. Is this you? And there it was. My question mark staring me right in the face. Was that me? And then I realized if I went home with him, it'd be the only time I'd ever slept with a man to validate my life. The question mark would no longer be a question. It would be a fact. I was going to say that this sort of reminds me of the previous episode where Harrison, Samantha's lover, goes, so you're older, like 40, 41. Like, why would Bradley Cooper take a really ugly picture of me, like, Maybe he didn't think it was that bad. That's what I think. I actually think she was kind of projecting. Yeah, you might be right. I think he was just like, whoa, oh, this is you. You're yeah. on the cover of a magazine. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah, Get it out true. of my face. You're right. Yeah, I think that um, I think she was fully projecting. I mean, I get it. It's, it's really how violating to have that cover all over New York City. And you're right, though. I don't think he had some malicious no, intent or anything. No. And this is another case. And I mentioned this in the previous episode. This is another case of like one thing breaks the camel's back and the relationship is done. Like we never will see Bradley Cooper again. He slammed the photo in her face and that was it. And now it's done. There's no conversation. There's no. Oh, yeah, that was a magazine cover I did. I'm actually like not feeling great about it. And then he could be like, wow, you look beautiful. Like whatever it is there's just there's nothing it's like one moment and then that relationship is dead in the water yeah I uh I really want to talk about all this stuff but I want to go backwards to one thing if I may of course again this is a tv show I love the way it's written and you know sometimes you have to do things that are different than real life to make it interesting and fun but I do have to say I think it does send a bad message that in the end of this storyline with Miranda, there's a guy that couldn't make her come. She came clean about it. He's, he was completely willing to like not be an egomaniac. He, he was, he had the perfect, he was lovely. He had the perfect response. How can I help you? And then it didn't work. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. I think that's a really bad message because I think in real life, you could easily have a partner that couldn't make you come and then explain it. And then they could. I think it kind of reinforces that idea of like, well, if you just don't automatically know how to maneuver someone's body, then like you're never going to learn, which I think is the opposite of how sex works. I think in real long-term relationships, you get to know each other, you communicate that, and people can get better all the time. So I do think it's a little destructive 
destructive that he was completely willing to learn. But the lesson was like he just couldn't learn. I don't think that's realistic. It's definitely not realistic. However, I think the one caveat is there probably are people who and I guess I've probably I've definitely dated guys where it's like the sex wasn't bad, but they just didn't have that like magic touch. Totally. And maybe that was kind of what they were trying to communicate with Miranda was like, he's not like it's not even these bad. He's just like, they're just not, they don't have the chemistry. I think that happens in real life and that's not the other person's fault, but this specifically seemed like there's a very fixable solution to yeah, this. Yeah, of course. And I of think course. in real life, uh, you can definitely explain to your partner, yes. male or female, how to use a vibrator on you, yes. how to touch yes. you. I, mean, I think it's very learnable. Totally. And I think that it was a grounded premise. And then the joke twist on it was her literally screaming, which was funny. Yeah, that's the thing about it is it's like, I feel weird criticizing it. And like if we were she in the literally room- was like flailing her arms and she's like, ah! Like no, it, was, it was hysterical. It was almost a satirical notion of like what women have to deal with. That's how I perceived it. Yes. I hear what you're saying. No, though. the only thing that it makes me think of as a writer is like the Mr. Rogers better version of actually teaching people would be that she taught him and he got better. Yeah. And then the message of the episode is you and your lover can learn to please each other. That's it's not off the table if they didn't get it right the first time. But it makes me wonder, just because that's the right message I would want to send, is that bad, boring TV or something? Yeah, it would be bad, boring TV. Right. Yeah, it's way less interesting. Yeah. Because then if you do that in TV it's a terms. or something. Yeah, and he'd probably be around for a while, and he probably was only available for one episode, because I've definitely seen that guy in a lot of things. That's the TV version of it. Yeah. But the, the, I agree with you. The message is not a great message to send. A funny, if I were to rewrite that scene, I would have the teaching moment where he finally learns how to do something specific like if it's finger her go yeah. down on her whatever yeah. it is and he nails it and then he does one other thing super weird <laughs> like where she's like oh Jesus like you're more of a freak show than I even realized right. or something but yeah I, I think that there is a way to still have that message and then have a comedy button on it because it right. did need a co- it needed a beat no you're right actually this is reminding me of a really good friend of mine in New York uh, she was so sexually empowered she was like super orgasmic and really into her body and she like was just very sexual and she was good at communicating her needs and she had this lover and she's not afraid to say I want you to do this and she was just like you know they were fucking and she's like actually this position is better if you could put your hand here if we could do this and then finally he just took her and lifted her off him and he goes this is too much work you're being too specific like stop telling me what to do and he just kind of like took her off him and just like was like done oh my god because I think he felt like he was being micromanaged well that's the thing is that there is a fragility in being told you're not doing something that feels good and everyone I think when people go into the bedroom together there is this false notion that you're supposed to know the other person's anatomy immediately it's like being hired for a job where no one is training you how to be a good employee and it's so frustrating because you literally have to learn you have to be mentored you have to be shepherded in and it does take time and sure there's there's a curve on like oh maybe you learn quicker maybe it takes you more time to sort of get acclimated to someone's body but you can't just expect someone to pick it up naturally when they haven't even been trained yeah because it's like guess what your last boyfriend could have loved uh, biting on the neck and licking the ears and then the new one is like get your tongue out of my ear it's like everyone has a different thing that they like yeah so I think it's weird that we go in being like you even hear it you're like it's like 
like, you know, people are like, whatever, lauded for like, they're so experienced. It's like, well, maybe your experience was in a line of quote unquote work that like doesn't apply to this particular job, which is my body and how I like things. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that you're hitting on something that is coming to mind, which is this notion of being good in bed. I don't even know what that means. And I don't even think it's a real thing. Uh, the idea that somebody has like an arsenal of tricks is like a joke. The only thing that good in bed means is you and your partner are collaborating and together. And listen. Yeah, you listen. And also, yeah, sure. There are those times where we're like, holy shit, I really didn't have to explain anything he just kind of got it that's like those are needle. europeans it's, they're europeans it's needle in a haystack you're, you're, you're traveling abroad you're never gonna see no. one again they're just like a whimsical I unicorn say, i don't mean to make stereotypes but the two mexican lovers i had i know were i know out of the ballpark i know yes um playing okay. me like a violin i'll oh tell you god like a spanish guitar okay <laughs> All right. Want to wrap this puppy up? Yes, my friend. Um, wrapping up, Samantha gets her sweet revenge for being stood up by throwing a drink in William's face. I've never thrown a drink in someone's face dying to do it on my bucket list. <laughs> Miranda fakes one last orgasm for Josh after her lessons simply don't fix their sex life. Charlotte lets her handyman go pursue his handy dreams in the land of Brigham Young. And Carrie comfortably sips a glass of wine, reveling in being single, fabulous and Bradley Cooper free. And now we have the question of the episode. Is it better to fake it than be alone? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't think you should fake it. I think that uh, if we're talking about sex, definitely not. It's, uh, it's a losing battle. What do you think? Yeah, this reminds me of there was a time in my 20s. Um, I had bad dating habits in my 20s. I had low self-esteem with men and I was choosing the wrong partners. And then something changed in my late 20s where I just really got a handle on myself, was doing a lot of therapy. And I was like, I need to change this. And I did, thank God. And I was like training myself to be attracted to better, nicer guys, uh, which wasn't what my go-to was. And I met this guy who was so nice, really liked me, had a great job, planned great dates. He wasn't super hot, but he was good looking enough. He was a normal looking guy. And I really, really tried to like him. I was like, Rose, this is the type of guy that you should be with. He's a he's a relationship guy. And I forced myself to try and make it work, even though my entire body shut down when we were together, like I wasn't attracted to him. And I even had sex with him really trying to make it work. Yeah. And I had to stop the sex in the middle because I just honestly wasn't enjoying it. And that was kind of, I feel like I was being like all the girls in this episode where I was like, I'm single. I should make this work. I should make it work with him. And it was fake. It wasn't real. And, uh, I think that you can't create feelings when there are none. And also if you're in something and the feelings are gone, what can you do? I think, it is better to be alone and be with yourself than put yourself through something that doesn't feel authentic. Yeah, that's a nice message. I think that's very Because guess what? It can be lonely to be in a relationship. It can be really lonely. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I think that it'll also, any kind of faking it, whether you're faking your feelings or you're faking your orgasms, um, eventually the resentment that is built as a result from that uh, is going to bubble to the surface and explode. And it's going to be way worse than addressing it initially. Yeah. And I, I just kind of think that like, 
We all question ourselves and wonder if we're doing the right thing. And I think if you have a track record of choosing bad people, you can really question yourself. But just because somebody is nice doesn't mean you should be with them. You still have to have sparks and you still have to have chemistry. And um, I think love and romantic love is something that it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I think you should be pretty clear yeah, I think I that's think, a great point. Yeah, if you're really confused, then it's a no. Yeah, that's great. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Love that. Um, so Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. We end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Well, um, I'm skinny fat. I have a little belly on my skinny body. And that's because I eat carbs and I'm horny for carbs. And I don't care if I never fit into my old shorts again. Um, because carbs make me really happy and I've gained 10 pounds and I don't care. And I eat pasta with red sauce and Parmesan, like at least once a week. Okay. That sounds so delicious. It's like all I want to do and it makes me happy and I don't care. I had pasta two nights ago and it really did it for me. Yeah. So so I'm worried for carbs. I know that they make you fat and that, you know, whatever, but tough shit. Um, Okay, I am currently horny for um, I'm really into podcasts about uh, like relationships, specifically like how people met or how people um, maintain their relationship. Mm. And I have two that I love right now. One is called The Moment, and it's all about the moment a couple meets. So the the woman interviews real couples and they talk about how they got together. It's really romantic. And I really love it. Um, Yeah, the first episode is really excellent about these two people who actually knew each other in college and um the guy always like kind of knew she was the one and then years and years and years and years went by and then it's all about how they reconnected and it's really interesting and sweet i said out loud in my car five different times like oh my god this is the sweetest story i started tearing up listening to 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 this it's great and then another one that i love is called committed so there's the moment and committed and committed um, is usually the, the premise of the episode is it's also a real couple, but they kind of talk about like a struggle that they went through. Okay. A lot of times it's like, you know, outside factors, like uh, a fa- they were dealing with like backlash from a family member or something complicated at work or just like a hard time that they went through. One one guy um, on the episode was battling cancer and it was like about how him and his partner Ooh. dealt with that. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's just really well done. It's a good storytelling and um, they're not all uplifting, but mostly are. And yeah, it's just really good. So I'm the moment is one sold. and committed. I would check both of those Jamie, out. Jamie, I have a question. Yeah. Have I told you lately that I love you? Oh, yeah, yeah, actually you did. <laughs> also, I have to say this podcast was Jamie's idea and she brought me on and it's been such a joy. It's such a joy. I'm so happy you did it with me. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, okay. Love you guys. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Oh, wait, last oh. Guys, we're back. We have lots of listeners and lots of followers on Instagram, but we'd love more of you to rate and review us on iTunes. We have 87 reviews and thousands of listeners. I know it's a fucking hassle. I used to never do this myself to podcasts I listen to, but it makes the biggest difference. If you have a minute and you really appreciate us, this is free content we're giving you. Please just go on iTunes, give us five stars and write one sentence about why you like this pod. You can literally write the word yes with a period. I mean, give us more than that. I mean, it would be great if you have more time, but if you write give us five stars with yes we're fine with that too yeah just just help us out guys we want to do this for a long time and we really need your support to make that happen yeah and thank you so much and talk to you soon bye bye
Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.